Welcome to Tournament in a Tea Break, Wimbledon style, and I am joined once more, I'm so yinny, by... Chris Otto. Lord Otto of Richmond, or Laird. Is yes. it Lord or Laird? Back across, I'm Lord. Lord. Please. Okay. Please refer to me as such. Okay. All right. Well, Lord Otto of Richmond, what a day. The first day of Wimbledon seemed to start fairly slow. Tennis Twitter was like, oh my God, this is so boring. And then things got real. So where shall we start? Why don't we start with the 15-year-old Corrie Coco Goff? Good idea, I think, to start with her. Um, so this was this was a, um, a match-up that, you know, only movies could talk about. Corrie was inspired to play tennis by um, seeing Serena play. Didn't end up with Serena, ended up with big sister Venus. But, oh my God, we weren't disappointed. Um, she plays with that kind of fearlessness that the young players have. I saw some variety in her game. Yeah. Um, you know, she, she, you know, she can mix things up. Uh, she did mix things up because otherwise Venus controls everything from the baseline. You know that Venus can come in and, you know, with that wingspan can cover the net, but she still managed to, to get past her. Coco Goff is, is like pretty much amazing to me because she hasn't played anything at this level. Mm. She's done junior slams. She went to qualifying with a wild card at Roland Garros three weeks ago and lost in the second round. Here she comes getting lucky, fortunately gets a, a Wimbledon wild card into qualifying, qualifying. just about five days before the draw happens. She shows up, I guess, not really feeling the pressure, performs well in the qualities. Not a huge surprise, but wasn't. I can't say I was expecting her to come through the qualities, no problem, but she did a nice job. She upset the top seed in the first mm-hmm. round of qualities, but then she steps onto court one today with a brand new roof against a five-time Wimbledon champion and plays with such gusto, such poise, and then owns it. Like, her body language is so strong yeah. and so assertive. When was the last time you saw a 15-year-old with that kind of body language? Well, I was I was asked on Love Sport Radio. Um, I just did a like late segment for them, and they said, not to be personal, but what were you doing at 15? And I thought, well, I was doing sports. I was, uh, I was, a, I was a hurdler at this point, so I was doing that transition from you know 300 meter hurdles and 200 meter hurdles because you're still a, a young teen into into 400 meter hurdles so I was sporty but nowhere near this she was fearless and it, with the same kind of fearlessness that we've seen from Vondrusova from Yastremska from all of these young players that are coming up that just don't you know Anisimova Kenin they don't care who's on the other side of the net they play their game you have to play to their game um People often whinge and moan. What are we going to do when the Williams sisters go? What are we going to do when, like, the big names, you know, what's the future of the WTA? And I think we're seeing it right now, not just in Coco, but in Barty, uh, Anisimova, Kenin. If they get themselves together, they're going to be, you know, they're going to be great players. We thought we saw it in Kazakina. We'll come on to Osaka in a minute, but yeah, you know, uh, yeah, Yastremska's in there too. We, yeah. we, she hasn't really had her moment at the slams. I mean, so these other names are a little bit fresher. Vondrusova lost mm. today, but but she, yeah. she, that was strange, right? It's just a strange chaotic day. But let me stick with Coco Golf yeah. a little bit longer because this match was really interesting because she had the break in the second and she hadn't been broken yet and it looked like she maybe would cruise to the finish line then she played a horrible game with two double faults Venus got back on serve and then she broke her right back so that was impressive in and of itself because you thought maybe this was a time she would maybe capitulate then serving for the match at 5-4 Venus had saved three match points and Goff then was 
facing a break point and, and served a 108 mile per hour <laughs> second serve on this point, facing a break point. It went into the body of Williams and, and was a service winner. And then she took the next two points in the match. I just, I had to watch it like 17 times on video <laughs> to actually see that it really happened. Just absolutely, yeah. I mean, just crazy go for broke point right there. But I guess that's where her head is at. And you're talking about they have no fear. They're playing tennis on their terms. 108 mile per hour second serve. Not but many it, women hit a first serve that but, fast. And if she's doing that at the age of 15, <laughs> what is she going to be like when she fills out a little bit? Um, and, 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 you know, grows into herself a little bit. Because, I think she will. You yeah. know, because she looks to me still quite slight and still still quite sort of... Sinewy. Tween. Yeah. So yeah. I, I feel that there's still, and, you know, I mean this with the greatest respect, but I feel that there's still a lot of growing for her to do when she, you know, she needs to fill out a little bit more, get a, get a little bit more muscle. Um, but, I mean, if she's doing this now, what is she going to be like? Because that's scary good. Who's she got next? She has Ribarakova. Oh, Magdalena Ribarakova. That's a tough twenty seventeen semifinals here at Wimbledon, but but has lost a lot of early matches in other years. She doesn't even have I think she may have like just around five hundred record even with that semifinal run. So she's not really been a consistent force on the grass. Right. But we know she's good on the surface. And she's a crafty player. It'll be a tricky one. Yep, for sure. Um now that was great on the on the plus side. Mm-hmm. On the negative side, though, so up until this point, everything had been all going going swimmingly along, no real surprises. Maybe Sabalenka going out to Rabarikova, but Sabalenka has had a bit of a horrible year, made a bit of a run at Eastbourne, but you know, really not much to write home about. Um, let's start with Naomi Osaka, I think. Let's start with the women. Um, Osaka comes up against Yulia Putinseva in Birmingham. She loses to Putinseva, and we all know what Putz can be like. She's she's feisty. She's in your face. She's fist pumpy, and she also has a game. You know, she can, she's she's what I like to call patiently aggressive. So she plays an aggressive game, but she has the patience to build her points. So she'll she'll you know she's not like a traditional counterpuncher where it's all placement and picking she'll whack the ball at you but yeah. she will whack the ball at you all day long until she gets a winner until she makes you hit one extra ball um and she just frustrates the living daylights out of players including osaka now when she lost in birmingham osaka dec- declined to come into press took the fine as as is their right to do yeah. um and you know she lost in straights Putin saber just had the measure of her um Osaka seems to have a thing about grass at the moment, doesn't really like it, doesn't really want to like it. Um, she came into press and then basically um, was asked, I think, by Russell Fuller, has it been hard to get used to the new level of fame you have? You know, is that, is, is that one of the reasons? Um, to which she just turned to the moderator and said, can I leave? The moderator was like, well, why? She goes, because I think I'm about to, I feel I'm about to cry. And then the moderator yeah. just was like, we have to leave it there. There's a, you feel for the kid. You really do. She propelled overnight into stardom. The first time was chaotic, um, bittersweet, robbed her of her moment. I think, I think I'm justified in saying that. The second time... Certainly. The second time she, had to, she, she was on the point of a meltdown in that Australian Open final. She took herself off court. She pulled herself together, came back and, and beat Petra Kvitova. And it was one of those finals I think many people didn't really mind who won because everybody's heart was with Osaka after what happened at the US Open. Everybody loves Petra. But 
since then the wheels have just come off spectacularly and by that i mean they're all bouncing down the road in four different directions yeah <laughs> she she has just struggled to find uh, some balance in her mental approach i think she's got nerves i think she's got issues she switched coaches and everybody was thought that that was one of the craziest decisions we've we've mm. seen come down the pike in a while and maybe that is having its effect as well. I mean, it can't be easy to go from where the comfort level she had with Sasha to yeah. then move into with a new team. I mean, more you know, more power to her if that's the decision she felt she needed to make. But a lot of stuff has been kind of conspiring against her. But she doesn't seem to have any confidence. She doesn't seem to have any comfort and when isn't she... enjoying playing right now. Yeah, exactly. When did she split with... Was it after the Australian Open? Yeah, it was. Yeah, 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 that's so it, because everybody's like, wait, 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 you just got two slams with this guy, and now... Yeah, well, I mean, nobody, nobody likes to, you know, she, she at least, you know, we, we've been in press conferences before when players get upset, and and it's not it's not easy to see, because at the end of the day, they're human, you know, you, and you do feel for them. Um, but I, I don't know what she does to fix it. I don't know whether she just comes through this period... And, you know, I thought that with Barty taking the number one, that would take some pressure off her. Mm -hmm. But I think mentally she's made up her mind that she doesn't like the grass, she doesn't like Europe, she doesn't like the clay, she doesn't like anything about this period of time. Yeah. It will be interesting to see how she responds in the run-up to the US Open. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. It started as like, okay, the clay and the grass are not clearly not my best surfaces, but I'm going to try to get better on it this year. Mm. No expectations. But yet it was the expectations that ultimately seemed to drag her down and kind of put this dark cloud over her where she just didn't seem to relax and be free and yeah maybe maybe she you know we can also say she just lost to the better player a bad matchup 0-3 now against yeah. Putinseva well um, you know what Poots is like though she can, she can get under, number one is the getting under your skin and number two the girl can actually play she's, she's just a bit so of a mental good. head case I mean if she'd ever sorted her you know, I had to laugh in Birmingham. There were people there that obviously it was their first time and they were like, oh, you're so cool and calm under pressure. And Putin Saber looked around at the regular faces that she sees and just burst out laughing. <laughs> and she looked at us and was just like, kind of, well, they know that that's not true. Oh so, you know, it's, it's interesting what people's perceptions of her are, but she's a, she's a, usefully, a usefully painful player to, to play against. Yeah. But you said it best. The wheels have come off spectacularly. And when that happens, you lose first-round matches. So the yeah. she just has to find a way to get the wheels back on. We know how good she can be. Get back on the hard courts. Relax yeah. a little bit. Don't take it so seriously. But it's hard when you have seven endorsements that you feel like you're not playing yeah. just for yourself. You're playing for your parents. You're playing for the money. You're playing for the companies you now represent, which are so many. Yeah. Uh, and you're on the covers of magazines. And you probably become a little self-conscious when it yeah. happens. I can imagine that must be difficult. So... Not a good Wimbledon, to sum no. it up for Naomi Osaka. <laughs> well, also not a good Wimbledon for somebody that I thought was going to do outstandingly well was um, Tsitsipas. Stefano oh. Tsitsipas. And God love him. When he came into press, I thought he was either going to cry or like jump off the table. Or both. Yeah, it took him <laughs> It took him a good 10, 15 seconds to respond to that first yeah. question. He had to summon, I think, all his power not to just like grab the microphone and throw it across the room and scream because we know he can be volatile and he has a real a temper where he's hard on himself. He's kind of a perfectionist, yeah. but he calmed down and he was he, he spoke well. And I, it was, I was impressed by how he handled such a, 
difficult day and a difficult situation. And, you know, he said the things he wanted to say. He's clearly very frustrated and very disappointed. Yeah. And what's what I found most interesting is that he was already disappointed and lock, lacking confidence yesterday to where he said he broke a racket in practice and mm. he, he was angry at himself for the way he was behaving. And he came in today, I don't think, feeling 100% mentally and in terms of the, where his game is at right now. So he's got a... He, he sounds like a guy... That needs a longish vacation, like a two, three week vacation. Yeah. Forget about the tennis, have some fun again, and then come back fresh for the hard courts. Yeah, I mean, and let's just have a word about Fabiano. I mean, we've, we've all been joking over the over the grass court season. You know, what is this? An Italian that actually plays well on grass, but he's, hmm. you know, he's had he had a great run in Eastbourne. Um, you know. It, it was a well-deserved win for Fabiano. He really, you know, especially after the pain of losing that tiebreak, where, he, you know, he was right on the cusp, and then and then it all sort of, you know, then Sitspass clawed his way back in. And then you thought, business as usual, Sitspass is going to settle himself down and, 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 and sort, sort himself out. But, yeah. Yeah, I think there's a reason why he was in the third round. He lost to Stefanos last year here at Wimbledon. He's, he's actually yeah. quite... Quite a good player. I find yeah. him uh, easy on the eyes in terms of his game. Easy? easy. Oh, I see what you mean. <laughs> in terms of his game. He's a stylish player. Yeah. And Sitsipas made the comments that his forehand had improved drastically mm. from the last time they met. So, no, he's, so he's, a, well, maybe he's a player on the rise. Look out well, for him. And hopefully he'll be a little less volatile than uh, Fonini and will ha- have a, a, you know, a little less jigglypuff as um, Seppi. Yeah. So we'll actually have a, an Italian guy to sort of you know hang our hats on. But yeah... Tsitsipas um, was joined in the exit stage right by um, Zverev, who very famously at Roland Garros was like, yeah, how do you think I feel? Everybody's talking about Stefanos, nobody's talking about me. Hmm. Well, they're certainly talking about you now. This whole rubbish about Ivan Lendl having uh, allergies and not being able to come in. I mean, the guy was born in Europe. <laughs> it's not like he was born in the States. Yeah, I don't know um, what's going on there. But but he said something very interesting in this press conference, that the last couple of days have been rough for him. We know that he's having to do a lot of his management by himself. Um, and he he alluded to something and said the last couple of days have been been very rough. They're not the things that aren't in his control um, and that they, they got him down. Now, I don't know, you know, he's to- talked before about doing his own management and Things like having to book his own practice courts and sort out his own strings, that I can't see as being rough on you because that's the stuff that you have to do when you're coming up. Hmm. So I hope that this isn't something a lot more serious. We know how close he is with his, with, with his family. And this, to me, sounds more than just the faff of doing your own management. This this sounds quite deep, and I really hope that it isn't something that is a little bit more sinister. Yeah, I mean, just to quote, in the last few days, I would say are very rough for me personally. I'm not going to get into details, he said. Um, so he's clearly have, has some issues off the court, and we've known that he's had some issues for a while now. Maybe, maybe things are not... Be, maybe he's frustrated that he can't solve the problems that he had, either with his management, with his coaching. Maybe he's got several things going on at once. But um... Well, the thing is, though, we all thought when Lendl said that he was going to work with him that, that he would be able to work the same magic as he did with Murray. We now, did, we did. You know, and it depends on who you talk to. Some people say that Zverev isn't particularly well-driven. Others say, you know, he's always late to everything. He says he's always on time for work. He's late, you know, he's the guy that will be late if you guys all arrange to meet to go out for dinner. But he always turns up for work and always gives it. But who was it he was coached by? One, who was he being coached by that they, when it split, it was fairly acrimonious? 
it was uh, I think it was Juan Carlos Ferrero. That's it? it. That's it. Yeah. Um, and it was fairly acrimonious, and he was like, yeah. he kind of hinted that Zverev didn't work. Yeah, that could have just been personal differences yeah. there. I mean, we haven't heard anything from Lendl. It's very tricky what's happening with Zverev. I mean, we were so high on him. But Lendl does this. He did this with Andy as well, where it was just like, yep, yeah, I'm done now. I'm not traveling. Bye. Yeah, and he, it, he but, may and very well be gone Andy, pretty soon. Andy was pretty, you know, I can remember him in Madrid, and he was like, I'm just really cut up because I really need my coach. You know, and it caught him by surprise. And I just, I just wonder, I just, it just feels to me that there's something a little bit more sinister because there's no reason why he can't. We've seen him; he's he's managed to get to the second week of Slam. There's no reason why he can't do it. But, yeah, a few weeks but, ago, yeah, quarterfinals exactly. at Roland Garros. But you're saying you believe maybe it's close to or at the end with Lendl. I that... I honestly think it is. I you know he was quite cagey about it in in France, but. The thing with Lendl is he wants results. Yeah. I you know, don't... Masters isn't going to cut it for him. He wants slam results. And yeah. he's not getting them. Yeah, some, yeah he's, and he's not here. Right? No. He's not. I, I, well, if he, if he was here, he didn't really make much of an impact, did he? Mm. Okay, well, let's look ahead a little bit to tomorrow. And um, I want to talk about the quarter of death. Everybody wants to talk about oh, the quarter Oh, my of goodness. So this... I don't honestly know that I've ever seen a such a stacked quarter in my life. So just to, just so that we give you the rundown, we have Ashley Barty, world number one, she's good, French Open champion, an all-round good egg. <laughs> we have former French Open and Wimbledon champion Garbina Muguruza, Muggsy, who won the French, then spent the entire year saying, "I can't wait for for the French to come around so that you guys stop asking me about having won the French." Losers in the French, very tearfully comes out with the greatest put down of all time about the 25 languages or whatever. And then, then goes and wins Wimbledon, has to do all of that all over again. So we've got her, we've got Donna Vekic, who, oh God, love her. I've cried for her this, this grass court season. She's a really good grass court player. Um, and she's just been, you know, she she lost to Garcia in Nottingham, was very tearful. Auntie Anna Bocroft had to give her a bit of a hug. Mm, um, yeah, a then she moment. then she had Barty in the first round in in Eastbourne. Not Eastbourne, sorry. In Birmingham. Never a good idea. Never a good idea. Then she pulled out of Eastbourne altogether, which is probably the right play. Mm. Um, so she's got Alison Risk, who won in, I want to say, Den Bosch. Yep. There did. you go. That's right. So, so that's not a great start. Then you've got Belinda Bencic, who, like all Swiss people, seem to think that they can boot the cows and the goats off the grass and the grass belongs to them. Yeah. Then you've got Serena Williams, um, last year's finalist. Keep going. And all the other accolades that come with it, including chasing down that 24 that, let's face it, everybody wants it to get because we all want Margaret Court written out of the record books. Mm. You've got Yulia Gerges, also not too shabby, on the green stuff. You've got Carla Suarez Navarro who can play on the green stuff. Um, you've got Maria Sharapova, Samantha Stoza, and then at the bottom of this quarter, after all of that... Not even out of the quarter yet. We haven't even got out of the quarter yet. You have the defending Wimbledon champion, Angelique Kerber. So I think whoever gets to the second week, whoever comes out of Manic Monday in that quarter, just give them the give them the title, and then we can have Saturday off to go shopping. It'll certainly be match tough. That's the way it looks. I mean, you're Oof. talking about seven former Grand Slam champions in that quarter alone. I think four of them have won Wimbledon previously. 
<laughs> and you go down, you go down in the other quarter in that half. It's really the whole half that's difficult because you've got two more grand, former Grand Slam champions in Kvitova, Sloane Stevens down there. You've got Johanna Conta down there. I mean, that half is is incredible. Yeah. That quarter is incredible, and tomorrow is going to be one fun day at Wimbledon because of yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, I don't even, I don't even know where to begin. I wouldn't know even who to pick to have photos of because it's just so <laughs> loaded. Um, and then let's let's cast our eyes to um, the switcheroo men. Um, so Nadal and Federer. After all that kerfuffle over who should be seeded where, we now come to to them opening their account. And I, I think it's fair to say that there's probably not going to be many eyes on Yuchi Sugita because I don't think he's going to put up that much of a de- defence against Nadal. All eyes are going to be on Nick Kyrgios versus his oppo, um, Jordan Thompson. That's because if one. he comes through, then we're in for another and we another Nadal and Kyrgios, and we know what happened the first time those two met on grass here. Uh, wouldn't that be fun? There'd be a lot of like angry energy among fan bases in that one. The thing is, though, that the reality is that Rafael Nadal has not performed to a seeding for, I think, four out of the last five years. The only thing that's pulling his seeding up is his run to the semi-final last year. If he hadn't done that run to the semi-final, his seeding would be even lower. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's that's a reality and a fact. And I don't buy this whole, oh, you know, this is so unfair. The, the formula has been around for a good many years and has been used for a good many years. I dare say Nadal has even benefited from it a couple of times. Yeah, I would imagine he has. So, you know, this whole knickers in a knot nonsense make make your tennis do the talking instead yeah. of your gob quite I frankly think, I'm sure Rafa himself is, is over talking about it but the media doesn't want to let it but, go at this the, point true but but doesn't that say more about Nadal's confidence that he's that he's so fixated on the fact that he's been treated unfairly I think mentally he knows that if he comes up in the same way that we knew that if we had a Fedal semi-final for Roland Garros it would be Nadal that coasted through. Mm-hmm. We knew that. And it's the same on grass. It's the same on grass. It, we, if we have this, it's going to be Federer's. Because this is this is his court. I mean, you know, it, I, I don't see why this is such a difficult concept. I, I don't know if I... I don't know if Rafa's going to make it to the semis. And I don't think I he think is. that Federer likely will. But if they do go head-to-head, I'd flip a coin on that one. Because Seriously? I still... I know Roger's beaten Rafa a lot on other surfaces lately, and I know he is, you know, quote unquote, the grass king. But I really liked what Nadal did at Wimbledon last year. I thought he looked really comfortable on the surface. I thought he played well. The the battle with Del Potro and the battle with Djokovic was clearly a cut above everybody else. But they were neck and neck. Yeah. But I, I again, Rafa's draw. Rafa's draw is horrible. Whether it's because of what he's seeded third, it's not really. Just a random draw. He's got a really difficult draw, yeah. starting from his first match, really, because Sugiti's not bad on grass. But then if he gets Kyrgios, if he gets maybe Sanga third round, and if he potentially gets Chilich no, fourth round. No, he'll get Shapovalov third round. I see Sanga coming through. Uh, breaking news, because Shapovalov has not been... Very, yeah, very hot okay, lately, and okay. I think Songa on this surface. But Songa on grass would be horrible then. Yeah, yeah I mean, they, that would be the worst matchup yeah. for Nadal. So he could, 
if the the draw breaks in the exact w- way he doesn't want it to be, he'll have a really tough second, third, fourth round, and that will make things difficult for him. But then again, if it breaks in the way that, that it works easy and the matchups work, I can see him going deep, and I can see him challenging Federer. I guess we can agree to disagree on that one. But I liked him a lot on grass last year. And yeah, I, I, just, I just couldn't bring myself to pick against Federer on grass like deep in the tournament. Yeah. In the same way that I wouldn't pick against Nadal on clay yeah. that, at that stage it's of the tournament. That extreme. No. It, 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 it is, but, you know, yeah, okay, I'll give you the fact that grass is maybe slightly a bit woollier than clay, mm. you know, but I, I would still back Federer. He's at least had a lot more grass court time. Um, yep, already got the tenth highlight title under his yeah. belt. Got a little bit better drawing. Yeah, Federer center court. I mean, that's a yeah. I, 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 you know, I wouldn't. I, I just wouldn't pick against him. Well, we, today has been packed, and what we need to do is uh, go away, digest, write some stuff tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, but we'll be back tomorrow to talk about the the rest of the round one and that bonkers quarter. Uh, so yeah, that'll be fun. It yeah. Oh, it's gonna. I mean, yeah. The first round's always tough to cover and tough to talk about. This has been the hardest by far for a while. I think, in terms of just the sheer volume of stuff going on. Yeah, some really um, some matches that really took your attention away for yeah. gr- for large chunks. There were a lot of highs, emotional highs and lows today, yeah. which I don't really remember happening in the first round of other slams in no. recent memory. So. It's a little bit draining. It was, but, it was. But we will come back refreshed. We will. And bright-eyed and bushy-tailed tomorrow. But until then, you have, of course, been listening to Ros Sato. And Chris Sato. Thank you. Bye-bye.